Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Party and Jordana Levine. In today's app, we turn off the lights and get a little spooky as we enter Scorpio season, a full moon week, and of course, Halloween. We surprise each other with this week's Halloween-themed recos. Holly guesses the celebrity natal chart of an ex-top model. And then we wrap up the app with a huge announcement. But first, my love, how has your week been? It's been so lovely, Jord. I've actually been really enjoying working. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Like, work's been really lovely. And I was talking to a friend yesterday and he said, you know, what's been happening for you at the moment? And I said, I know I'm talking a lot about work, but it's really inspiring me at the moment. It's really the women that I'm working with, the changes I'm seeing them making in their lives it reminds me why I do the work I do. So it's been one of those weeks for me. Oh, that's awesome. That's always lovely. Yeah. I think you can enjoy work. I don't know when we were told that we weren't allowed to enjoy it. I know. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I get the guilt. So I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should say that I love my job so much because I know so many people and I can relate to being in a position where it drains your soul. And now it's almost like being on the other side of that. I feel like, oh, my God, almost that too good to be true, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it brings up all the limiting beliefs for me, Jord. Um, but how about you? How has your week been? Uh, yeah, it's been good. Uh, a whirlwind week. I'm just trying to think what happened to me this week. Um, oh, I um, was, you were on TV. I was on TV. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think what happened. (laughs) No, honestly, I think I need to go and get my brain checked because I I do have very big blanks in my memory as I get older. Um, Yeah, I was on television. It was really fun. Um, And the way that television works these days, you can zoom in to a show from your own lounge room. So that was really lovely. Um, Talking about the new podcast, Higher Love, was very surreal, like really fucking surreal, but really, really, really fun. It was a short segment, George, but did it feel like it was the longest time in the world? Uh, it felt like it was the shortest time in the world. I knew, Really? Yeah, I knew what the questions were and they dropped one off at the end because we didn't have time. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get as much information out as I could, but I also had to be mindful that they wanted to get through a segment. So you've sort of got to decide what's important and what's not but not leave stuff out or not give enough information to mislead people. You know what I mean? So, um, totally, but yeah, no, it went really, really, really fast. I don't know what I was a little bit nervous before the interview, but I never get nervous when I'm in them. I don't know why it's the same when I do public speaking. Once I'm in it, I just feel very, very comfortable. 
I can relate to that. I think it's because you're in flow state and you're channeling almost. So there's no logical mind saying, oh, my gosh, you could fuck it up. Or there's no, like, irrational fear or anything because you're so in flow. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's funny, though, like, when you're in an interview, and you must have had this with podcast interviews before, Hole. You don't you, – you're pretty much at the beck and call of the interviewer. And mm-hmm. if they mm-hmm. don't know what they're talking about or they've misread your material, then the mm. interview can really go the wrong way. And I feel Absolutely. like David Campbell especially really sort of understood my messaging. You know what I mean? So it made the interview Beautiful. flow really well. Yeah. It's so true. The interviewer maketh the interview. Oh, and it's in this day and age where – Everyone has a podcast. It's, uh, I guess it's what kind of was happening when blogs are a thing and everyone became a writer all of a sudden. It's the same thing with podcasts. There is a real skill set to being able to interview someone from, I guess, a, a point of being able to hold conversation, being able to dive deeper into conversation, being able to get really great story from the person you're sitting opposite. So, I, I mean, at least for me, that's why I never went out and I haven't yet gone out and done that sitting opposite people interviewing them because it's such a skill set, isn't it, Jord? Yeah, it is. But I think that you're I think that you're good at it and you're gonna be great at it. I think that um yes. I think you're right though. I think people really take the interview skill set for granted. And I know mm. as and I mean you study journalism as well, but like I, I worked as a journalist for so long, it's kind of ingrained in you to get the story and to make it less about you and more about getting information out of the interviewee. And I think that's where a lot of podcast hosts kind of lose direction, you know, yes, it it becomes about them and it's like, no, no, we're trying to get the story out of the person that's here. Or if you've got your set questions and then for some reason the conversation takes its own turn and then it's like, okay, back to the set questions. It's like, no, can we be malleable and adaptable? And I feel like that's what happens on live TV because that was the point I was trying to make is going live on your socials is one thing, but when you're on live television, it's like a whole other ballgame. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know, like I said before, going live in your own domain is one thing, but going live when someone else is running the narrative is terrifying. Yeah. I've done, I've done radio interviews before where they've sent me set questions and then the host, like a producer has sent me set questions. And then the host just asks like a bunch of random questions, which have (laughs) nothing to do with anything. And it's live and it just throws you. Yeah, you can hear it as well on some radio programs or even TV. You can go, oh, that person wasn't prepped for that question. (laughs) It's the ability to think in your feet, which you and I are great at. We're good at pretending at times that we know what we're talking about. (laughs) I don't know about you, Holder. I always know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea ever, guys. (laughs) Holly's pretending 98% of the time. (laughs) Right My life is one big fluke. Um, George, Halloween, and I read somewhere, is this right, that it's going to be full moon on Halloween? Yes, but it was like that last year as well. It's not unusual. Um, Okay. Yeah, so the full moon will be on Halloween and it's going to be, I mean, surprise, surprise, it's 2020. 
It's going to be a biggie. Mm. It's going to be a biggie. You know, we've got, it'll be Scorpio season. It's a Taurus full moon. Scorpio opposite Taurus is always a bit kind of messy. Um, Mm. I mean, like most opposite signs, but um, yeah, there's, you know, it's just, it's going to be big. So October 31st, yeah, really has become this like commodified uh, selling point Mm. for Halloween, right? But the Scary idea, things. yeah, the idea of Hallow's Eve is like this really thin veil between the living and the dead, and I feel like that thin veil comes up during Scorpio season all the time. I mean, Halloween always falls in Scorpio season, but also during a full moon. You know, it's really, it's really powerful this time of year. And I know that when this comes out, it's not quite Halloween yet. We've probably got about a week, but we wanted to do it this episode mm. because um, the next episode would obviously be after Halloween. So whole I thought it might be fun to sort of look at some of the themes of Halloween in lots of different lights. There's lots of different ways to look at it. But let's start like super yeah. kind of kitsch and super simple. Did you kind of get into Halloween growing up as a kid? Yes, we did. We when I was growing up, we our whole street used to do trick or treating. So this was between the ages of like little four-year-old to about eight-year-old before we moved out to another area. But the first area we lived in, like Leah and I, one year our mums made us bug costumes and we went dressed as bugs and we were aliens and all of the houses in the street had Halloween decorations. And then I remember clearly the first year we moved to the new suburb and new place, mum took the three of us um, out trick-or-treating and no one in the street did it and people were looking at us like we were crazy so it was really this confronting oh some areas in in Australia do it and others definitely don't do it so I've been on both ends of the spectrum George how about you well I mean I don't as a kid we definitely didn't do Halloween and I, I mean I must have been living in areas where they didn't do it um And then maybe when I was like a teenager, we sort of like decided it would be fun to do a bit of Halloween in, in Paddington, I think we were, um, but no, it wasn't a big deal. But when I was living in Bondi as an adult, um, a lot of the parents in my particular street organized these really, really great Halloween, uh, nights where, the week before you got a, a thing in your letterbox saying, do you want to participate? If you do hang something on the door, if you don't, we won't come trick-or-treating, which was really nice. Great you know, idea. Not everybody wants to be disturbed on Halloween night. Um, totally. But I used to always have lollies for them, except that one year where I didn't have anything and I had to give them almonds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That I remember clear as day the older lady that gave us apples that year that no one in the street did trick or treating. We were like, "What a jip!" <laughs> so funny, but yeah, no, it wasn't really a thing. And I sort of, I kind of like that about Australia as a holiday. I don't really dig it. I don't really get it. I look, I don't really like any holidays that don't have any kind of significant meaning. So I just yes. find it to be such an odd one. See, I just like any excuse to dress up and eat treats. So, look, Halloween is a vibe for me. I'll probably, when I have children, be like, get amongst it. (laughs) Well, that's so funny because I think probably the reason that I wasn't really into it is I wasn't allowed to eat sugar. So, mum, there's no way mum would have let me do that. 
course, of course. Well, do you know, last Halloween I put out, it must be a Northern Beaches thing, just giving away my ge- geography because it was when we lived on the Northern Beaches growing up and also last year, trick-or-treaters everywhere. So, so cute. So I bought a bag of banjo bears and I stuck them at the door so that the dogs wouldn't bark when people kept coming and going. And the banjo bears were empty by the end of the day. Yeah, I bet they were. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm. I would love banjo bears in my loot. Um, all right, so let's get away from like the the treats and the sugary side of Halloween. And I'd like to really <laughs> talk about this, you know, this this idea of the thin veil between life and death. And I think it's a really interesting conversation to have, especially with you, Holly, who, you know, is a medium. Um mm-hmm. What, what I mean when I say thin veil between life and death, what does that what does that mean mm. to you, and how have you seen that play out? Mm. It it for me that that thin veil you're alluding to is the fact that when a person dies, they still exist, and so that thin veil is that you, you could either be the living or the dead, but your energy still remains. So when someone passes, and it's such a gift in being able to do mediumship and to practice as a medium, it's the recognition and the realisation that a soul never dies. So with this thin veil coming up, I I feel that more and more people become aware of that. And because intuition is heightened, Mercury is in retrograde, we've got all of these planetary alignments on our side, we're actually able to communicate more with loved ones who have passed through signs, symbols, or maybe even channeling, which is, it's, it's actually really powerful. Yeah, it's super powerful. When you say, you know, a soul never dies, what does that mean? Do you feel like everybody's soul that's ever existed on earth is just floating around in the ether? Uh, it depends on where they have progressed in their um, incarnation. So if, Oh, there's so many so many ways to cut this cake. So if they're a recent, recently passed person, they're likely floating around still figuring out karmic lessons before they fully cross over. But when we do cross, what happens is our soul chooses what does it want to do from here? And you've got options depending on how old a soul you are. But it could be I'm going to reincarnate to learn more karmic lessons. I'm going to come back as this thing. Or instead, I'm going to stay in the angelic realm. I'm going to be a guardian, a guide, an angel, a spirit, someone who's taking care of other spirits and souls who've passed, all of these sorts of things. It could be that you've ascended and so you're kind of hanging out in 7D consciousness, like ascended master vibes. There's so many different ways that the soul can transition and it really, again, comes back to similarly in in everyday life. What are your karmic lessons and how like you sometimes you don't have a choice whether you come back to earth or not the aim of the game really at the end of the day for enlightened beings is you've learned all of your lessons so much that your soul doesn't have to come back earth side and like when you say enlightened beings do you mean like you and i or do you mean like buddha (laughs) i mean like buddha i mean like the big guns i mean like yeah they're the heavy duty um ascended master vibes Yeah. yeah they 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 don't need to come back because they've done all of their lessons. They've learned all their lessons. They were so of service and of unconditional love. It's like they've like reached the highest peak and it's like that's all the high achievers listening to this are like, great, so my mission in this life is to be an ascended master. 
Well, it's interesting after last week's conversation about the North Node and the South Node and the South Node being the karmic lessons that we bring in from other lifetimes. Nice. And so what where and I don't expect you to have the answer to this, but my Gemini brain's just trying to process it all. If if of we course. if we are going through our South Node lessons, so you your Leo lessons and me my Sag lessons, and we get to the end of the lifetime and there's karmic lessons that perhaps we haven't worked through that are still hanging around, do we take those karmic lessons into the next life? It's fine. Let them keep barking. Holly's dogs are going to bark the whole way through this episode and you're just going to have to deal with it. The whole time. So, yeah, you've got your South Node lessons and if you take those karmic lessons with you into the next life, there's is the processing happen happening with your soul before you reincarnate or do you think you're just taking everything with you sorry i don't know how you it's a hard have a definitive answer, answer. I, yeah I, I don't know because i mean i'm assuming i've experienced it before many many times but i don't quite remember um what i'm gonna say is yeah there is a processing that happens when you cross over and then you come back that yeah guaranteed because when I am a channel for loved ones who have passed to come through, they're tying up loose karmic ends. Usually the messages when they're coming through are, I'm so sorry I was this person in this lifetime. I've changed. I've recognized my ways. Um, let me be your guardian or guide. Like there's a lot of karmic stuff that they can they can tie up and we can tie up once we've crossed over. And then once you recognize those, you come back and you do it all over again. Oh, my God, I'm <laughs> exhausted. No, it's so tiring. No wonder everyone has fatigue. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, okay, so this this veil then between, say, this veil that happens during Scorpio season, Mercury retrograde, Halloween, how do you think people can best start to use that energy? Because you know, we don't we don't get gifted this kind of access all the time. And I just think no. it would be a waste to not access it, use Do it. Do something with it. I agree. I think that this time is the perfect time to be connecting with your guides, your spirit guides, your um, your guardian angels, loved ones who, have clo- who are close to you who have crossed over, using this time to connect. There's plenty of guided meditations online that you can search for, connect with my guardian angels, connect with my spirit guides. So sitting in deep meditation and trusting in what's coming through, it's a beautiful time to do that. It's also a great time to consider a mediumship reading. So what I will say about medium uh, medium work is not all psychics are medium, but all mediums are psychic. So if you've booked in with a psychic, but you're wanting them to tune into people who have crossed over, make sure that they're also practicing as a medium. Uh, a mediumship isn't something that can be taught. However, we do all have access to our intuition. So loved ones and your guardian angels and these sorts of things are always communicating to us through signs, synchronicity, songs on the radio, whatever it is. Uh, so paying it more attention to those things over this coming week and the weekend for sure. Mediums are psychics. Like, can't you just connect with those that have passed but not be able to see the future? Well, those that have passed tell you the future. So, if a lot of a lot of mediums, they will bring someone who you've loved that's passed away through 
they'll have their conversation and then that person will be the channel for that person's future, if that makes sense. Mm. So yeah, it's, I work a little differently where I can call people in if I want, but I like to do direct channel myself. I just like to remove the middleman. <laughs> and why do you think, I've got another question for you that you won't have an answer for, but it's just an interesting thing to ponder. Why do you think spirits, once they leave the earthly realms, can see into the future? Hmm. I think because time doesn't exist mm. when you're on that other side. So yeah. they're just like witnessing energy and experiences yeah. rather than a linear time, yes. if that makes sense. Yes, perfect sense. You nailed that. Thanks so much. <laughs> I didn't even land that. This is, therein lies a good interviewer, guys. <laughs> she got the story. <laughs> um, God, have you ever seen a medium before? Yeah, I have. But to be honest with you, and I'm very, very grateful to say this, I don't have a lot of people in my life that have passed. Like my grandparents have passed on both sides and they always come through in every psychic reading that I do. Um, Mm. But other than that, I'm very fortunate to not have close members of my family or friendship groups that have passed that would come through um, in that kind of scenario. Um, In saying Mm. that, I do always have a guy who they can't place exactly who he is that comes through who must be Mm. an ancestor of some description, I think on my mum's side. Um, Mm. But but yes, yes and no. And, you know, when they tell me a lot of stuff about my grandparents, it, it will often resonate, but at the same time, you know, I don't feel like I knew them well enough to connect with some of the things that come through. Totally, totally. What I would say to people, if you are curious about getting a mediumship reading or, you know, are going to sit opposite a medium is, and I feel a lot of people do this as well in seeing psychics, it's like it doesn't have to be this guessing game thing where you sit there deadpan and go, oh, let's see if they can figure it out. It it actually is so much more helpful for me and I know lots of other practising mediums and intuitives for you to be like, I really want to connect with this person. This is when they passed. Do they have a message for me? It just makes the guessing game and the guesswork and the kind of obfuscation so much more clear because it – You've you got to remember, like, we're, we're trying, we're getting sent symbols, signs, sensations in the body. Like, there's so much to decipher and you can cut a whole lot out of that by just saying, I want to connect with this person. This is when they pass. This is what I want to know. It just makes it so much easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And mm. also, we said this in the psychic episode, but I think it's so important because this has happened to me um, down the track after having readings and not, not so much with medium readings, but just with psychic readings in general is the, Mm. the reader is interpreting their version of the data that comes through and that's all they have to work with. So your interpretation of their data might be different. And sometimes things click for me later when I listen back, because I'm like, Oh, they thought when they saw the white rose that it meant this, because that's what white roses mean to them. But now I know that that's what it means to me and that's probably what the symbol was. Exactly, exactly. And it and it often happens where as a reader you'll bring all the symbols forward knowing that, oh, this isn't all going to land for them now but hopefully they place it later on, which is why it's so important that you get a recording or you take notes of your reading so that you can, you know, talk to your parents about their parents if they're coming through or just decipher that, the symbols. Because I guess that's, that's – 
that's how it works. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I actually listened to um, the recording of our most recent reading. Holly did a reading for me a few months ago. Oh. And I listened to it last night as I was going to sleep. Um, and first of all, it brought me a lot of comfort. But also there were things that really resonated with me last night that didn't quite land at the time. And I yes. think I, that's why I think it's so important, yeah, that you definitely get a recording. I, I I listen to my recordings quite a bit. Like I listen to them often. And sometimes I'll listen to them, you know, within the 24 hours of having the read. Because when you're in it, you kind of don't hear everything. You get stuck on one thing or you're waiting to hear something and you miss all this stuff in the middle the middle yes and also the middle (laughs) great plug um but also you try and figure out the thing and then you're exactly you're not listening to what they're saying because they've carried on and especially if they're a reader like me and they just go so if you've got it recorded you don't actually have to take it all on in the moment you can reflect and reflect and reflect oh it's so good it's the best holly's great if you guys haven't had a reading with her and this isn't a plug because (laughs) I wouldn't plug her unless she was good. But really, she's so <laughs> fucking good. Thank you. I love and love giving readings at this time of year. Like I, yesterday in Scorpio season, Mercury retrograde, I was like, <laughs> my second read of the day, I said, before we say anything, I need to talk about this move. And she's like, how do you know? And I was like, because I'm a psychic. But the, the <laughs> messages just come in so- so, Do you not know what this so call clearly. was that you booked into? <laughs> <laughs> you understand, like, I'm not actually just talking shit here. But um, maybe that's a good thing to think about as well in the lead up to Halloween is if you have old recordings of readings, listening back to them, like, that's actually inspired me, Jordan. I'm going to pull some out and have a listen. Yeah, they're great. They're really, really, especially when it's months later because stuff lands that didn't even resonate at the time. But like you said, time doesn't exist. So it's sort of like just checking back in Mm. with things and going, oh, yeah, that's actually happened or that's unfolding now as we speak. Um, I just wanted to kind of touch on this idea around Scorpio season and Mercury in Scorpio um, and that thin veil when it comes to your slumber and dreams because uh, a lot of people this week have been talking about having crazy, crazy dreams. And I know we have, there was a whole group of us actually that had some very intense dreams on the same night, all kind of Mm. themed around the same thing. It was very unusual. It's heavy. Yeah. Um, so really paying attention to your dreams during this next week that's coming up, definitely. Um, I know for me personally, and I think it's definitely Mercury and Scorpio, uh, it's been very uh, emotionally intense throughout the dreams. The, the, the visuals have been quite vivid, but it's been more about the energy and the emotions that I'm feeling while I sleep. Um, and yeah. that's what I hold on to when I wake up. I go, okay, well, you know, the emotion of shame or guilt may have been playing out this way in the dream, but where is that emotion and guilt, act, uh, sorry, shame and guilt actually coming from in real life? Like, how can I process that? Because it's obviously surfacing for a reason. Great idea. And then with that, I guess on reflection, we can release them with the full moon, right? Absolutely. This full moon's going to be big. Oh, I'm a bit like, whew, just getting ready for really? it. So we all know that Scorpio season okay. is about transformation. It's the death and rebirth cycle. And the full moon is all about 
um, death and rebirth, right? It's like clearing the stuff that's no longer serving you so the new stuff can come in with the next lunar cycle. So really, I mean, I'll do a lunar lover episode on this, which will come out this week as well, but it's like really allowing yourself to let the deaths occur. Because when we stump the death cycle, that's when we start to come out of alignment with things. Oh, I know that we're both a bit funny like this, but we love Scorpio season and the deaths and the intensity of it all. Like as soon as it hit, Jordan and I were like, it's here, let's kill things. Yeah, totally. I love it. I love it. I love I love kind of sitting back during Scorpio season and, and seeing where the natural deaths occur. Like I don't go out of my way to kill yeah. things off. But I'm like, what? No. What is going to naturally die? And and what's going to happen if I let it? Like, what gold is going to mm. come from this? It's really exciting. I was saying to Holly, though, I was like, I have done, well, Holly was saying to me, you have done so much work this mm. year on letting things die. Like, what is possibly left to go? And to be honest with you, I do feel quite uh, calm coming into Scorpio season because I can't see any massive deaths occurring. No, no. I um, I am curious actually to reflect on what happened last Scorpio season. I'm going to pull my old journals out and see what the deaths were back then because I can't remember. Again, gaps in the memory. Um, but yeah, this this week it's going to be a biggie. I'm excited. Do you know what I did last Scorpio season? What I quit dating. I stopped dating. <sighs> Was that last Scorpio season? Yeah. <laughs> I just, oh, my fucking God. I just finished dating a nightmare Scorpio and I was like, this is when I give up dating. Like I'm going to stop dating now so I can finish this book. And um, so much rebirth came from that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I really, I cannot remember a thing about last Scorpio season. That is so – God, the seasons fly. Guys, take it seriously. Because I guess if you put it off put off making the deaths this time around, then you've got a whole other year to wait. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. You actually can't put them off. They will happen regardless. So it's like do you yeah, want them right. to happen easefully or do you want it to be a fucking shit show? Excuse my language. Oh, God. Scorpio. <laughs> and also you've got to remember the other thing about Scorpio season is, yes, intensity. Emotions are high. But they're usually veiled in secret secrecy. So watch for that mm-hmm. in other people. It's all about sexual intimacy and sexual desire. You know, like if you're looking That's at tarot, fine. it's very much about the death card and the devil card and like that sort of like Yeah. Why are we so into this energy? <laughs> I think because it's such a contrast to who we are, you know, it's the shadow to the light. And I I really love intensity. I mean, my Mars is in Scorpio, so I've got a real kind of affiliation it's with familiar. it. But I love yeah. this idea of I love this idea of death cycles. I mean, the cycles are happening whether we want them to or not. We talk about it a lot. The whole universe operates in cycles, and all Scorpio is doing is bringing it out into the light for everyone to see. I love, I can just already sense all the Scorpios listening to this going, yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome it's our, our time. Lair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Our sexy, sexy lair. <laughs> okay, Holly, so I said to you 
10 minutes before the call, like I usually do, uh, we're changing recos this week. You need to make them Halloween themed. And you're like, great. And I gave you a list of what you could possibly do. I was like, you could make it something scary. You could make it something mystical. Or if you really want, you could do it about a pumpkin. And you're like, I'll, I'll do pumpkin. So what the fuck have you come up with? <laughs> it's true. That actually happened. George was like, I was kind of joking about the pumpkin. And I was like, no, no, no. I've got something here. I've got something. George, the brand is Andalou Naturals Skincare. <laughs> I can't believe you did this. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're pumpkin honey glycolic or glycolic. How do you say it? Glycolic? Glycolic. Yeah. Yeah. Glycolic mask. I, you can see, I'm obsessed with this product. It's almost all gone. And the main fruit stem cell, well, stem cells they use are pumpkin in this one. Amazing. So it's a bright, it's a brightening mask. It's wonderful, George. I'm so used to using a clay mask. And this one is very much the texture of mashed up pumpkin and honey. But the fruit stem cells they use have a really tingly effect on the skin. So their whole like campaign around it is like feel the tingle. And when I first put it on my face, I'm like, it feels like my face is burning off. But you kind of enjoy it. It's like kind of like that heat that you know it's it's working. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's working. Um, So I it comes in these cute little tum tums tubs and for only $25 so super affordable very high performing very nourishing and all natural all of the good stuff and it's pumpkin so it's Halloween themed (laughs) that is so good I love it I love it thank you so much well your reco is it scary yeah it's really scary um, okay, so it's kind of a half-assed reco because it's old and there's a newer version, but I'm too shit scared to watch it. Um, <laughs> it's a show on Netflix. I watched it last, oh God, it would have been 2018. I was living down at my parents' farm and uh, it's called The Haunting of Hill House. It mm. is so fucking scary. I don't like horror movies at all and it's a horror mm-hmm. show. But at the same time, it was so clever and the storyline and the twists were phenomenal. It was so well put together. I had to watch it during the day. My sister had already watched it with her boyfriend and she'd come in at about lunchtime after doing the horses and we'd watch an episode and she could tell me when I had to cover my eyes because it was too scary. (laughs) And that's how I watched the entire season of The Haunting of Hill House. Now, They've just come out with The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is the next instalment. Yeah, I've heard um, about it. And okay. I really, really, really want to watch it, but I have, I can't do it on my own. And now that I live on my own, I'm just like, I'll never be able to sleep again. So I, I have to think about that. But I don't know whether you guys remember, but many episodes ago, I told you about a date I went on with one of the editors of Gogglebox. Yes. Well, he has now edited The Haunting of Bly Manor. He stepped up. Oh, my God, that's world. amazing. Yeah. He's really, 2020 is just a green It's just with him. his year, yeah. So I wanted to, I actually <laughs> was going to slide into his DMs and be like, tell me about Bly Manor. Am I going to be shit scared? Can you tell me when to cover my eyes? But I was like, no, I did that. I did that about Gogglebox. So I really just want to leave this guy alone. <laughs> you must get it all the time. But it's a, just a 
fun fact. Um, what what makes it so scary, George? Is it supernatural themes? Is uh, that what we're working with? Horror? Yeah, it's, it's supernatural and horror. So it's a haunted house. Um, there's this lady in the house called the Bent Neck Lady, and she's this ghost who has a bent neck. And it's very, yeah, it's very real. It's very eerie. But at the same time, there's so much of it that's not scary. Like I would say the scary bits make up about maybe 20% of it, but you don't know when they're coming, right? This is the problem. And the scariest thing about a scary movie or a scary show is the suspense. And there's lots of suspense. Yes. And then nothing happens. Nah, I hate suspense. I reckon that's one of my most hated feelings. Sitting in suspense, it's the worst. See, I love it when I'm watching a throw a, a show like a thriller or, um, you know, a drama series where there's suspense or like a true crime show even. But there's something about really? the supernatural that I just can't get my head around. And it's happened ever since I was a kid because... I've never seen anything, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. I was very clear from day dot that I never wanted to see anything. I'm like, I believe you're there, ghosts. I can feel you, but whatever you do, don't reveal yourself. And they have. They've totally. never They've never revealed themselves to me, but I can definitely feel them. But the same sort of thing, like when I'm watching a show like that, I'm like, I don't want to see it. I just don't want to yes. see it. I think that's what freaks me out is because I know and I've had experiences that we won't dive into about the, like, the not great ghost stories and, like, I just know that while we can look at it as a TV show or a movie, it's also real life sometimes and that's what scares me. Like when I had friends the other week, they were talking about Ouija boards and I was like, no, absolutely not, like, no, 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 no. And then I think that there's this subconscious it's my own shit. When I watch something scary, am I inviting more of them into my physical world you know I used to think that as well I used to think that as well you know like after some horrible kid made me watch um the candy man is it the candy man oh my god no I can't watch those and then I was like now that I've watched it he knows and he's gonna come for me you know (laughs) totally yeah totally so anyway if you can watch scary stuff definitely watch the haunting of hill house and i'm assuming mm. the haunting of blind manor my sister said it's amazing and she's pretty good with this stuff so they're they're my recos but also with a caveat great recos (laughs) but also too scared to watch it so hmm. Celebrity natal chart was at the request of you, Holly. Um, you yes. back in the day were obsessed with America's Next Top Model, and thus the host yes. Tyra Banks was also an obsession of yours. Absolutely, since I was like eight years old. <laughs> Great. So um, I've got her natal chart here, and the Tyra I know, which is just the Tyra I've seen on telly. I think her chart's very telling. Okay. Well, let's just go straight into it. I, I love, I loved Tyra. I I haven't really been following her recent work, but I loved her back in the day of America's Next Top Model. That's what she always used to do. She used to whisper the end bit. It was weird. Um, And then she had her own talk show. She was trying to be Oprah and she'd had that Vaseline stint. She was a little unhinged in a period there. It was wild. Um, I'm sensing, can I say that she was unhinged? Yeah, but what's a Vaseline stint? 
you haven't seen Tyra giving Vaseline to every audience member like that time that Oprah gave cars. No. You, everyone do yourselves a favour, Google Tyra Banks Vaseline and you'll know what I'm talking about. Oh, my God, that's it's, so weird. Uh, it's, it's insane. So I am just going to go straight in and say there is a fire placement. Yes. Is there more than one fire placement? Yes. I'm also going to rule out water, no water. There is water. Oh, so double fire water. Yeah. Okay, no earth, no air. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> she's a model. She's a presenter. She's a host. She's very fiery and almost like aggressive. So I'm not actually seeing Leo unless it was her moon. I just want a place where this water is. Intuitively, I'm getting water rising. Yes. Okay. It's got to be Scorpio. Is it Scorpio rising? No, it's not. Oh, my God, it's not. Okay, let's park water then. That's thrown me. I just feel like she's so intense. And because of that intensity, I'm going to ask, is one of her fire placements in Aries? Yes. Okay. Is it her son? No. She's an Aries moon. Yes. She's an angry self. <laughs> and also lovely traits of Aries as well. But my dad's an Aries moon. Get it. I get it. Um, okay. So let's place this other fire. She's either Sag or Leo. I mean, she's very performative. So as much as it pains me to say this, she's a Leo. She's not. She's a Sag. Is she? Mm. Sag, Aries moon. And she's either a Pisces or a Cancer rising. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, I'm going Pisces rising. No, she's Cancer rising. Wow. Yeah. Sagittarius. Aries moon, Cancer rising. Oh, my God. She does have her Mercury in Scorpio, which is maybe where you're getting it from. 100%. Just I, I feel like if you if you know the Tyra that I know, like there's an intensity to her. How well do you She's know Tyra? <laughs> I know her so well. Like I knew her better back when I was like 12. But, um, yeah, there's such – yeah, that makes sense. She's also very sexy. And also um, you can see the cancer rising. Like she gets very emotional about things, like really kind of yes. almost tantrumy sometimes, you know. So it's like where the well, Aries that, moon meets the cancer rising. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. You can see how her, like the way that she processes emotion is so fire water. God, it would feel conflicting in her system. And then if you look at Sad, she has got that very sort of like get shit done, businessy kind of risk taker side she to does. her as well. She really does. Yeah. I really wasn't seeing Leo. I don't know why I did that. No, no, um, I get it. She's a model. And she is very she, like, me, 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 you know. Me, 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 I. Oh, that was a fun me, one, George. Me, me. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, we did mention in the intro that there's a big announcement and it feels like I'm about to say I'm pregnant or something. That's definitely not it. <laughs> but as spokesperson for the podcast, Jordana Levine, what is the announcement? 
Well, after much deliberation, Holly and I have mutually decided that this will be our last season of The Middle. We mm. we feel like we've taken this as far as we want to take it, basically. Um, we still yeah. love we still love the show and we love all the messaging in the show and we just you know a lot of the work that we do is about alignment and we don't feel misaligned with the podcast it's definitely in alignment with both of us but it's just I think it's done its dash the cycle's coming to an end so you know I think it's quite poignant that we've made the decision during Scorpio season. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to keep going for another five episodes, so including this one. So yeah. there'll be four after this. You've got another month of us. And then, um, yeah, we're going to wrap it up. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that it feels right. Like when we both had the conversation, it was, what, a one-minute conversation? We're like, yep, both in the feels, great idea, let's just do this. And it's something that obviously Jordan and I, it's not a decision we take lightly, but this is the way we live our life in every way. It's honouring when cycles and seasons are ending and it's we'd rather do this on a high and with so much respect for one another and for the show and for the listeners and all of those things than, you know, flog a dead horse. Like that's just not in our energy or yeah, our human design either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And before the Daily Mail writes an article about us, we're definitely still best friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with our relationship with each other at all. Um, and it's got nothing to do with you guys either. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just the end of a cycle. We both have new projects coming up and we want to focus our attention on that. We will keep the middle mm-hmm. Facebook group open because I think that, I haven't yes. even told Holly this. By the way, Holly, I was thinking about it. We will keep the <laughs> Facebook great, group open because I think there's such a beautiful community in there. And, um, you know, you, you all have sort of connected over this concept of the middle, like where spirituality meets, you know, everyday stuff. And um, we'll mm. still stay relatively active in there. So if you want to, if you want to mm. keep chatting in there, we'd love to have you in there. But we, um, yeah, we just feel like we'd rather, we'd rather put it to bed while it's on a high than drag it out to a point where we're resenting having to turn up every Friday. Exactly, exactly. And it's going to be a really beautiful new cycle for our friendship, George, because we bonded over creating this podcast. So yeah. we don't actually know our friendship without the middle, which what? is going to be really nice. No. Like it's what brought us together. And now it's like we take that away <laughs> and it's like, great, we, we don't have to share. I, I mean, I love sharing out like stories and things, but there's so much that I don't think I didn't even realize it's like I'm not going to tell Jord this until we talk about it on the podcast. It's like uh, it's just okay. so nice to be able to have a new iteration of the way that we connect, you know? Yeah, that's true. Off off the airwaves. That's so funny. I don't even think about I don't even think about this show like that. Like I it's yeah. so detached from our friendship. It's not even funny. Yeah. Well, I I'm just like, "Oh, I just want to get it right all the time. Um, and that's where I'm excited about a new, yeah, a new version of our friendship. Do you know what else it is with me is I've worked closely with so many of my friends in the past and it, for some reason it's done its time, but it's gone longer. And then the friendship ends. And I told you this, remember when we started, I was like, I'm so scared that the middle will 
create this wedge in our friendship and you're like babe it never will and that's why I'm so excited for this to end the way it is because it it definitely hasn't you know what I mean it's like we're ending on this high yeah no it hasn't created a wedge at all if anything it's no. it's created it's something opposite bond. yeah so yeah. funny but we will uh we'll still do uh work stuff together in the future so you know we don't know what that looks like yet but it will be something I'm sure yeah And if there's anything that you guys are dying to hear us talk about or to recount from previous episodes, you got four apps after this one to to get your suggestions or questions into the Facebook group and we'll do our best to cover what we can Um, and then that will be it. I'm wigging out. (laughs) Do you know what I'm going to not miss the most? Tell me. Tell me. Doing the outro. Oh, it's my turn, isn't it? Yeah. Off you go. You've been listening to The Middle with your hosts, Polly as a party and Jordana Levine. Get those suggestions in for our final episodes. Join us over on Facebook. Just search The Middle Podcast Show. And you can also join us on Instagram. It's at the underscore middle underscore podcast. Put those crystals out. Get your crazy on. And we'll see you next week. Because it's Halloween and the full moon, guys. That's that's the that's context. <laughs> Get crazy. Fucking go wild. Oh my god, that's so funny. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.